Welcome back to another episode of And Then There Were Two. Um, I'm Kenny, your host as always. I'm here with Seraphim today. And um, go ahead and dive right into the sports world, man. The bubble has proved to be a big success. It is a big success, and I'm loving it. I've loved every second of it. Um, I think it was the, the first game, I, well, not the first game, the second game between the um, the Lakers and the Clippers. Easily one of the best basketball games that I've seen in a minute. Not not talking about quality of basketball play, but just the intensity was there. Absolutely. You could, you could feel it. So It definitely felt like a playoff game in that uh, arena. The only thing I really miss, like, that the bubble doesn't have that, you know, the normal NBA had was the fans. Oh, my God, the fans. I It's just not the same. You know, Devin Booker hit that game winner, the buzzer beater the other day. And usually on a normal NBA game, you would hear all the fans go crazy. Like, the crowd would be going nuts. But over there, it was just it was just a couple people on the bench saying something. And the, announce- the announcers were even bored. I was like, come on. Where's the energy? Yeah. I, I feel it. I think it, like, it, it takes some getting used to for sure. But... I'll be honest, I never really know. Like, I noticed the fans, obviously, but it wasn't really a big deal to me, man. Because, you know, they, they pumped in the fake crowd noise, which I think is from, like, 2K or whatever, which I hope that they're controlling it, which I think they are, because 2K is never good when it comes to crowds <laughs> and interactions and animations and stuff. But, you know, it, it just – it, it was kind of nice to have that little background noise. I personally think they should have went with, like, a DJ or something like that. That would have been a better thing in my sights, but I guess for copyright reasons can't play music over their live airways and you know run into legal troubles but overall man i just i loved it dude i loved it just it's crazy seeing LeBron lock up last possession he sold on offense but he, he got it back though but yeah lock up Kawhi and pg on the same possession Woo. exactly exactly but shoot while we're on lebron the lakers let's let's talk about the lakers um, I think in the bubble as of right now, they are what two and two, I believe. Yep, two and two. Yeah, they're two and two in the bubble as of right now. Um, and I mean that that first game we talked about, it was a statement game, but by the same token, like playing devil's advocate, they didn't have Montrez Harrell or Lou Williams, you know, so that was kind of like their their two men down. But you know, I I personally think that like. With these seeding games, you can't really take much from it. Like you can, you can definitely take you know a, a good assessment of where a team's at. Like for instance, the Memphis Grizzlies have lost all four, so you can take a good assessment of where a team is at. But I feel like you're not really gonna know until like they actually meet in the real playoffs because like they're taking it serious. But I feel like a part of them is not really like going all out. And you know I'll I'll agree with you on that because. Um... You know, it definitely feels like it's a bunch of exhibition games. As we've seen with how LeBron was playing, you know, he shot 6 for 19 the first game. And he's just been – I think he's been shooting below uh, 40% every single game since. So, he's like – he's very rusty. The Lakers as a team have been rusty. I mean, on offense, they've been shooting 25% from three. So, it's just like atrocious how bad they've been. But, yeah. um, yeah, they just got to get their legs under them. You know, everyone is rusty. It's been a four-month hiatus. You know, it's not their fault, of course. Some people weren't even able to um, hit the gyms as much as they wanted to because of the coronavirus. So I just think they have to get their legs back together. Memphis, Memphis is one of those young teams. <laughs> and I know for sure, you know, not many of those players have like an indoor gym at their crib or anything like that. So I know their skills have been lacking in the past few months on this hiatus as well. But right. speaking of young teams, 
Let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. They're hot. Hot, hot. hot is an understatement. How have they turned into a from a league doormat? And any anytime you see the Suns on your schedule, you knew it was an automatic W. And as soon <laughs> as they walk into the bubble, they turn into the '96 Bulls. I, I don't understand. Dog, <laughs> Devin Booker's balling, dude. That used to dance with Russell Westbrook. I don't even know his name. Cameron Payne. That, <laughs> he's balling. He is balling. I hate the ugliest shot in America. Wet. Completely wet. It, it it doesn't make any sense. Like the same thing with the. We'll, we'll talk about TJ Warren later, but man, honestly, if you, if you ask me, the way I see things more right now, I think Memphis, if they end up in that eight or nine spot, which honestly I think they'll end up falling out. I don't know if that's like mathematically possible, but I think they will end up falling out of that spot. And if they end up going against the Suns, which I think that will happen or whoever the sun i think the suns have a chance like contending to get in the ac is what i'm saying i agree with you i definitely think memphis after losing jaron jackson oh was yeah they lost jaron jackson um they're not looking right they're not looking good whatsoever <laughs> so, right and they, they were holding on to that uh fc by a thread now they're only one game ahead of portland i believe so i definitely see them falling out of that contention as you said i definitely see them finishing like 10th seed really yeah, and Me- uh, I was gonna say Memphis is one game ahead, uh, Portland's one game behind, and Phoenix is one game behind Portland. So that eight, nine, ten is a very, very tight race, man. It, it's been tight all year, but now, especially um, the eighth and the ninth seed, they just have to be within four games of each other for the play-in tourney. So yeah. my prediction is that it's gonna be Portland and the Phoenix Suns in there, and with the way Phoenix has been playing, uh, they might, whew, they might turn some heads. So. I'm telling you, man, they're they're gonna go ahead and win that just to lose in the first round. But hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good trip. Some teams are out here just getting cardio, like the Pelicans are just getting cardio. Oh my god! <laughs> the Wizards haven't won a game yet. I don't know why they're here. I don't. Um, I don't even understand how they got invited. Were they even that close in the standings? <laughs> I was like, when I seen yeah. the Wizards were invited, I was like, what? <laughs> the Wizards were actually. Let me do some quick math real quick. So the Wizards were actually um well I'm not even doing math. We're out of school. They were a couple <laughs> of games behind. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. They were a couple of games behind. So mathematically they had a shot at getting in. You know, getting into that um four game range where like you're within four games you get the play in tournament. Yeah. They had a shot at doing that, but they haven't won a game yet. So <laughs> That's out the window. They just came to, you know, get the wristbands and cardio. <laughs> yeah, the wristbands. <laughs> <laughs> they're going home. So. But, like, but. you touched on the Pelicans a little bit, and I believe that the Pelicans have been the biggest disappointment in the bubble by far. You know, I, this whole bubble format was created solely for their team, solely to exactly. see Zion in the playoffs against LeBron James' first-round matchup. Mm-hmm. A lot of highlights. A lot of people would have been watching. And of course, you know, I don't know what Alvin Gentry, head coach of the Pelicans, is doing, but he has been playing Zion 15 minutes. And don't get me wrong, you know, Zion has been looking completely gassed when he was on the floor. Like, his, his defense has been atrocious, to say the least. You know, yeah. he's, he's been running up down the floor a couple times, and you just see him just like lump, lumping over. He's, it's like he's dead on the floor or something. Like, I don't know what he's been doing, but he's still your best player. You still have to play him 15 minutes for a guy, even if he's gassed, 15 minutes 
And none of those 15 minutes could be in the, la- the last few minutes of the game in crunch time when you absolutely need a star player to take over. I think it's just, uh, you know, a lot of it is on Alvin Gentry, but most of it is definitely on the players. I, Zion, um, Lonzo, Drew Holiday, Josh Hart, they've just been they just been unimpressive. They've just been playing like they don't want to make the playoffs, you know? This whole thing was created f- solely for that team, and they're playing like they don't even want to be here. You're preaching to the choir, man. I, I definitely agree that, you know, you touched on the point that Zion's their best player. You can ask – I'll ask you. You can ask my mom, my dad. Anybody that knows me knows that I am not a fan of Zion by a long shot. Like, I, you know, I just – he went to Duke, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But I'm just not a fan of him. I'm not a fan of his game. I'm just running into people. With that being said, he is still the best player on the Pelicans roster to date. There is no, I understand that he's heavy and you're trying to save him from his, himself, you know, get another injury and all that kind of stuff. Like, his body's not really ready for the NBA yet. But you still got to let him play, man. Like, he, if you want any shot at doing anything, he has to be on the floor. Absolutely. has to be. And then with you playing with 15 minutes, it's just – it's not going to work, man, because even if you wanted to split it up into, you know, a couple minutes at the beginning of the game, a couple, you know, after halftime, and then save this last, like, seven for crunch time, he'd be cold. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I don't know, what, what are they trying to, what they're trying to prove, what they're trying to do, but I, it's just not working. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> I just feel like Alvin Gentry got a call from the GM of the Pelicans, and he told him to go go in that bubble and tank. Because <laughs> what is going on right now, after I seen their second game against the Clippers, where they were down like 30 at half, it just made no sense. And earlier today, they lost to the Sacramento Kings, another team that's fighting for that eighth spot in the West. They're just playing with no sense of urgency. And it's really it's really disappointing to me because I wanted to see – I'm a big fan of Zion. You're not, but I'm a big fan of Zion. I believe he's a future Hall of Famer. I, I believe in all the hype. And so I want to see him on the floor in playoff minutes. And it's just, you know, I'm really sad that we won't be able – we're getting robbed of this chance solely due to the fact that his team is tanking, first of all, because that's clearly what's going on. Uh, The coach doesn't know what he's doing. The GM doesn't care, and it's just the players don't care either. Yeah, like I said, they went down to Disney to catch some sun, go fishing (laughs) a little bit, get their wristbands, and go back home, man. But, um, yeah, like you said, I – I'm, I'm not disc. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's not going to be a great player. Which you know, he has the makings of being a great player. But I think for him, he has to you know get his body in shape, be able to actually like play a full thirty-five plus minutes. Because to be a superstar in this league, that's what you have to do. Got to be able to play big minutes. And I mean, like, like you said, he's playing fifteen minutes and he's gassed, like out of he out of breath, not playing defense, and you know. He's, he's got to get that part of his game right. But, you know, I, I think if he does that, then I think he's definitely on a path to be a superstar in this league. Now, Hall of Fame talent, eh, you're pushing it. Whoa, I think that's <laughs> superstar your – Superstar talent, yeah. <laughs> I think that's your UNC bias hitting you. I, I'm a UNC fan too, but come on now. You see the makings of a Hall of Fame talent right there. I, I, like I said, I don't know about Hall of Fame talent. Current superstar, yeah. Hall of Fame talent, eh. I don't know, man, but. But speaking of Hall of Fame talents, <laughs> have you seen my Houston Rockets? <laughs> my Houston Rockets? James Harden, you know, a smooth 49 for his game. And they they just recently said the Milwaukee Bucks 
And um, unfortunately, they lost to the Portland Trail Blazers. But, uh, you know, that's something that it happens, you know. So I got a question for you, Kenny. How, how do you feel now a week later about my hot take uh, or two weeks later about my hot take saying that Houston Rockets might, might be able to make the finals? So I'll say this. They have been balling without a doubt these past um, couple seeding games. Harden's playing out of his mind, dropping 50-plus a game, basically. Um, everybody's shooting well in that team, and, you know, they're beating, they're beating some worthy opponents. It's not like they're beating the Pelicans or the Kings or the Spurs. You know, they're beating some really, really good teams. So I, I agree they're hot right now at the moment, but I, I stand by what I said last week, and I've, I've said it on Twitter a bunch of times, said it in our group chat a bunch of times. I want to see them do this when it matters. You get what I'm saying? Like, I, I agree that they're playing hot and if they were able to maintain this through the playoffs and, you know, get to the finals, then you got me. You were right. But <laughs> as of right now, I want to see it when it matters. And I, 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 okay. I, my, I do agree with you, you know, a little bit, just a little bit. I can't agree with you fully because uh, – but it's you like you said, it's exhibition. We're in a bubble, you know. Home home court doesn't matter, you know. The seedings don't matter. So, and James Harden, Russell Westbrook, they're they're well rested. The only thing that I see stopping them, honestly, is their coaching. You know, Mike D'Antoni, yeah. he doesn't really like. He puts together eight man units. Uh, he doesn't really go that deep into his lineups, and he has PJ Tucker, Jeff Green at center. Well, Jeff Green, Jeff Green has been playing well. PJ Tucker has been missing a lot of threes recently. Uh, so he needs to get that together. But PJ's been playing pretty good defense, though. Mm, absolutely. It, being, being that, you know, that small compared to other NBA big men having to step up and play that big role, he's been playing pretty good defense. Um, but yeah, like you said, you, you said this last week, and I, or not last week, two weeks ago. And I think that um, I agree with you that this is their best year, their best shot to actually get a championship. I do agree with that. You know, not like you said, them not having fans and no home court, anything like that. This is their best chance to, you know, win pretty much this year. But like I said, we've got to wait till it matters to see if they can actually ball. So I, I, uh, I, th- I think they could pull it off, you know. But on, the only thing that I can see standing in their way is when they double team Harden and coach Mike D'Antoni doesn't make any adjustments or, you know, they have a big that's completely crushing them. Like he's he's ten for ten or something, and they don't put in Tyson Chandler just for like two minutes. That's what right. I can see, and him wearing down PJ Tucker, like not playing Luke and Bob Mute or Damari Carroll. You know, that's that's the only problem I can see that Houston will run into. And I wish he had, I wish they had a better, I won't say a better coach. I wish they had better assistant coaches or something like that that could make these adjustments. But you know, they they have to ride with what they came with. So you might as well go ahead and say it, which they had a better coach, because, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. Before, 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 I think it was when they um they were up on the Warriors that one time when they were up 3-1 or whatever, and they had Chris Paul and all that kind of stuff. I really do believe that if they had a better coach at the time, like, granted, Chris Paul getting hurt is a freak injury, but I believe if they had a better coach, they probably win that series. They probably are a way, way better team at the time. Because, I mean, D'Antoni's theory of, like, just – we're going to outshoot everybody on the floor. It works until it doesn't work. That's the problem with that. Like it, when it's working, it's working well. They're putting up, everybody putting up what 
Harden's putting up 40-something. Other players putting up 20. Everybody's shooting threes efficiently. It, when it works, it works. When it doesn't work and everybody goes cold, it's kind of yep. like, what do you do? <laughs> you, <laughs> yep. don't, you don't have any bigs to slow the game down and play a half-court set. What are you going to do, man? So and that's, I don't know. That's one thing I wish James Harden would make the adjustment of doing. You know, sometimes it's not always three, three or layups, you know? And, I, and especially in the playoffs, you know, we saw KD just completely crush teams in the mid-range on straight ISOs. So I, I believe that's something that James Harden can do. Will he do it? Probably not. So, you know, they're just going to have to ride or die by the three. Three in defense. Stand in the bubble. Let's go ahead and talk about TJ Warren. Bubble MVP. <laughs> Superstar. <laughs> Like I, I, the Pacers are one of those teams that you know they're kind of in the middle of the East race. They're sitting at fifth right now. They're in the middle of the race, and they're like this middle of the road team, but they don't have you know an abundance of superstars on that team. You know, they're just kind of one of those teams that plays good or you know decent. I don't I haven't really watched Pacers games, so I'm kind of speaking hypothetical. But they play decent team basketball. You know, they find ways to win and they do what they got to do. However. In this bubble, T.J. Warren has reinvented himself from being <laughs> not even really a role player, just kind of a guy that was on the roster <laughs> to just turn it into Jordan. Like, just baller. He dropped, what was it, 50-something that first game or 50, second game? 53 against Philly. Ridiculous. Like, how do you – where does this come from? <laughs> where did it come from? That's, that's what I want to know. Um. Uh, this man, you know, at NC State, you know, back when we, we, we used to watch him hoop all the time. You know, he was just a mid-range king. That's all he'd take, just shoot straight mid-range layups. That's it. And now he extended his uh, his range to the three-point line, you know. Uh, and it's crazy how it happened because he was just – just recently he was traded for cash considerations. The, the Phoenix Suns had to give up a second-round pick, and they received – uh, they gave up cash considerations as well for another team to take T.J. Warren. Like, that's how bad he was. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's crazy to me how he comes out in the bubble, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm gonna, let me just read out his stats real quick. In the three games before the game today, because he, he only dropped 16 today, um, but in the three games of the bubble before today, he was dropping 40 points per game, or 39, round up to 40, five rebounds a game, three assists a game, two blocks per game, and two steals per game shooting 65% from the floor and 60% from three. What? Exactly. TJ Warren. <laughs> and it's like, this is one of those things you just don't guess. It's, you don't see this kind of stuff coming. You know, him uh, averaging those numbers, it, it actually led the Pacers to being 3-0. and Well, they're 3-1 and now, but, you know, at the time that these stats were put out, he was 3-0. and They were 3-0, and so... I definitely think that they got the formula. If TJ Warren stays hot, then they can they can go pretty far, man. They can go pretty far. <laughs> I, I, I'd say if TJ listen, if TJ Warren maintains this um this level of play throughout the entire playoffs and you know, somehow they end up reaching the finals or they end up playing against the Bucks in one of the semi rounds, I'm not gonna say they can beat the Bucks, but I'm gonna say they got a shot. The, the Bucks aren't looking too hot right now. Listen, the Bucks are not looking too hot. <laughs> Listen, the Bucks—they just beat uh, Miami today, coming back from twenty-three. But uh, 
you know, the Nets, they played against the Nets. You know, they lost. Um, I forgot who else they played as well. But you are right about that. They're not looking too hot. But if TJ Warren maintains scoring 40 a game, I mean, of course, who's going to beat that team? MVP, (laughs) give them the trophy right now. But listen, I have absolutely no faith None whatsoever <laughs> in this man even maintaining a 30-point-per-game average. Like, this is clearly a fluke, you know? <laughs> clearly. Hey, this, you both. There, there is no way that C.J. Warren can, can score 40 a game, okay? No, I, I can't even process that, him scoring 40 a game in the playoffs. Oh, my God. Oh, my exactly. God. I'll have to jump out my, off my rooftop or something. That, that, that just can't be real. Yeah, man, it was just <laughs> – it's crazy. But – um. Sticking to the topic of players being hot in the bubble, TJ Warren's hot, but there are also an, another slew of players that are also hot as well. Um, we touched on Cameron Artis Payne being hot out of nowhere when he was just the guy that was dancing before pregames. <laughs> he turned into a star. Devin Booker's playing out of his mind. Um, you know, and there are definitely a couple other players that are playing out of their minds. So my question to you would be if you had to come up with a first team all bubble list right now, who would be on it? First team all bubble. Uh, First team all bubble. Off the top of my head, off the top of my head, I got to go TJ Warren, you know, the new Michael Jordan. For sure. Jordan. <laughs> For, sure. Michael Jordan. For uh, sure. I have to go Anthony Davis. You know, he's been dropping off as well. He, he just scored 42 on Gobert's head. So <laughs> he's, in, he's in my team too. I got to go with Trey Burke. You know, after that first game against uh, the Houston Rockets where he dropped 26. Uh, mm-hmm. Or twenty seven, I, I believe he just he went like nine for ten from three. It was ridiculous, but he's on my first team all bubble. And my last, did I say three names or four names? Uh, I think you said you might have said three: T.J. Warren, okay. Anthony Davis, Trey Burke. Trey Burke. Okay, I have and to. That was it. I have to put on James Harden, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as as we both know, he's been out of his mind. And then for my last, my last place on the. First team all bubble, as we say. Um, I think I'm going to go with Luca. I think I'm going to go with Luca on that one. Okay. Solid. That's a solid list. Wait, 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 wait. Did I say I, I, Did I say Giannis? No, you didn't say Giannis. Oh, my. Oh, forget Luca. Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> Giannis is on that list. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I was about to say. But no. Oh, well, hold on. I, I'll say this about Giannis. I, I think Giannis has to end up. And I mean, like, obviously, he's got to develop a jump shot. That's kind of like a foregone conclusion now. But I think that Giannis leading that team, they've, they've got a long ways to go as far as being, you know, a true, true contender to win a championship, you know. Um, we talked about that game they played against the, the Nets. It was, it was like a couple – I don't know what it was. It was the, like the end of the game, and they were playing, and it was a loose ball. Um, Giannis grabs it. The right side of the court and he's driving and there's like three dudes on him. Kyle Corver, granted, Kyle Corver is not the most consistent shooter in the playoffs. We know because he's played on LeBron teams, they've counted on him. And he has not come through ever, I don't think. But Kyle Corver is sitting wide open at the three, corner, corner pocket, corner specialist, waiting on the ball. And Giannis goes up on three people. Now, granted, Giannis might not have seen him. You know, it's one of those bang bang plays, but him missing him being wide open led to them counting on Chris Middleton for a contested three. 
I wouldn't even count on Chris Middleton for success three and two K. <laughs> let, let, let me be very, very clear. I am not shooting wide open through Chris Middleton and two K. So for them to be have to like I they have a long ways to go. But you know um, that's go ahead. I, I I see what you're saying about that. I don't think they really do have a long way to go, you know, uh because they have an elite defense and they have a superstar. And they have a, another – I won't call him a superstar because I don't believe Chris Middleton is a superstar whatsoever. But they have an elite role player in Chris Middleton. So – and, I, you know, they have a solid defense. So I just believe that as long as Giannis keeps doing what he's doing, you know, he's scoring 30 a game, 68% shooting, 35 from three, surprisingly. You know, it seems like every time I tune him in, he's airballing a three, but he's shooting 35. <laughs> so if he, yeah. keep, if he keeps that up and – they play decent defense, and I, I just don't see anybody, you know, beating them, especially with the way the Lakers are playing right now. Yeah. You know, maybe Houston can shoot them out the gym again because they just gave up open threes all day to Houston. But other than that, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just kind of like – and I'm going to go out on a limb saying this. I'm probably going to get crucified, crucified for it, but this team gives me, like, Braun when he was carrying Eric Snow and oh my God. all those guys. Oh, vibes. stop it! It's, stop it's like it's stop it. it's, bro, it's only so much Giannis can do. <laughs> it is only so much Giannis can do. You said it yourself. They have a superstar in Giannis. I am not debating that. But other than Giannis, who else do they have? Chris Middleton is like fifty percent. Either he is hot, he's hitting, and he's a bucket, or he's just kind of there. His body. Now, granted, they play great defense, but you know got to score the basketball. So it's just kind of like, it, for me, it's just kind of like, you know, it's, it's so much Giannis can do. You know, he needs help. Listen, listen, that man Giannis, Giannis has way more than enough help, okay? Chris Middleton, as you said, all right. Brooke Lopez, Dante DiVincio, or DiVincio, DiVincio, some Italian last name. Eric, Eric Bledsoe. Iliazova, Pat Connor. But he has more than Wesley Matthews. He has more than enough help. Okay. This is the, the fact that you even compared that to the Cavaliers roster with LeBron James. That that just no. No. Are you are I'm, you serious? I'm so serious. It's just kind of like you obviously you're not counting on Giannis to hit the big shot because this man can't shoot. So who's shooting the ball at the end of the game? Chris Middleton, like I said. <laughs> Kyle Corver is not Kyle Corver is like despite him being a historic three-point shooter and you know. Not one of the best shooters that ever do it, but you know he's he's been a great shooter historically. He's not clutch. He's not clutch at all. He's so not. he's not hitting the big shot. Uh, I think Dante DiVincenzo or uh, I can't. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering that. But I, I don't think he's a great shooter. If I'm not mistaken, no, he's a great shooter. He did. He, is. he, he definitely is. Everybody is on that team can shoot other than Giannis and maybe Eric Bledsoe. Man, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's not doing it for me, bro. Like I just have to. It's, it's one of those things. Cause kind of like with the Rockets, you got to see it to actually believe it. You know what I'm saying? But listen, like, I, I, I need to see it happen. But listen, they actually got an elite coach. Okay, you know yeah. the, the former Atlanta co- Atlanta Hawks coach. You know they 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 have something going on over there. They have an elite defense. They have a superstar. They have an elite role player which many call a superstar, but I, I, I will never call Chris Middleton a superstar, as I said. Um, they have a lockdown PG in Eric Bledsoe. You know, he was first team all defense last year, you know. They got a good backup PG, George Hill. Ilya Sova, a bunch of shooters, Ilya Sova, D'Avencio, um, You know, they, they just have all the pieces, you know. And 
I, I think their losses were flukes, honestly, when they lost against the Nets and they lost against the Rockets. The Rockets game was more they, – they just let up so many open threes. I, I was watching that game live, and I couldn't believe just every single time, you know, Harden, Westbrook were driving a hole. Brooke Lopez would help off his man, and it would always be Jeff Green or P.J. Tucker wide open every single possession. That's why they shot 61 threes. But um, I – Who's stopping this team? Who? who? Like themselves. <laughs> that's themselves. Fair. That's fair. That fair. Listen, man. It, like I said, we'll, we'll see when we get to the playoffs about all these teams. We'll see, you know, who's who and what's what. But it, it's. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. We kind of straight off topic from my, my first team all bubble, so I'll go ahead and throw my first small bubble team while we're at it. Um, for me, and this is not position specific at all, just kind of like the best players. But Giannis, of course, mm-hmm. gotta throw him in there. He has, he has, you know, kind of running over people, <laughs> just <laughs> doing what he does. So you know, he, he's been him. Um, Anthony Davis for sure, completely balling, uh, unstoppable. Um, you know, LeBron's obviously the facilitator for that team. But when the Lakers need somebody to get the bucket, it's going to Anthony Davis, and. 9.5, 9.8 times out of 10, he's getting that bucket. So He he, he did drop nine points yesterday, though. <laughs> to his defense, the whole team shot terribly from the field. Like, they were horrible from the yes. field. So, you know, that, that was probably one of those off days. They probably spent a little too much time playing golf on a resort. <laughs> so, that was one of those off days. But, you know, I had Giannis, AD, Got to throw Harden in there as much as I hate his game and watch him run into people and collect fluke fouls all what? game. It, he's unstoppable. You can't stop him. He's probably one of the best scorers, if not the best, um, barring the Michael Jordan argument, one of the best scorers of all time. Mm. You know, so it's, he's kind of unstoppable in the bubble. As much as I hate watching him play, he's unstoppable. I'm glad you admit um, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Got to throw TJ Warren in there for sure. Like I said before, if he can maintain this kind of play, He's getting a contract. They're they're giving that man the bag if he can maintain his kind of play, which I don't know if he will. But as of right now, bubble superstar, without a doubt. Um, and then this last name I'm gonna throw in there. It's he hasn't been like completely, you know, taken over and dropping thirty, forty a game, things of that nature. But I feel like for me, it's definitely been an eye opener because when this team signed him, I didn't foresee him doing this much for this team or being able to, you know, put the ball in the basket this well. But I'm gonna go ahead and say Deion Waiters is my fifth. Huh? And, and, and I'll say it, I'll say that because like I said, like I said before, when they signed him, I saw him as just kind of like, you know, a role player that was gonna come come in and kind of like not even really score that much, just kind of hold it down. But bro, watching him play a lot, that man can score. He can score the basketball. Now, as far as, like, mishaps to him being out of shape and, you know, he, he hasn't played in the league in the league. He's out of shape. Whatever. <laughs> as far as, like, being able to score one-on-one, he's getting a bucket every time. Every, You're not stopping that. Every time? You're telling me that Dion Waiters is unstoppable? The 1v1. <laughs> yes. 5v5? Okay. You, you know, he, he's not really running the system. He's kind of just, like, playing basketball. You know, he's just kind of like trying to do his thing and get a bucket. But 
Don't act like he hasn't gotten buckets. Listen, listen. He's definitely gotten a couple of buckets as he's been in the middle of the bubble, man. He's gotten a couple of buckets. He he has been hooping somewhat, you know. Yesterday, yesterday's game against uh, why did I completely forget who the Lakers played? But in yesterday's game, he was definitely not hooping whatsoever. Okay, the, the man, the man was an anti-bucket. Like he could not buy us. He was like Danny Green out there. He was just chuck, but, chucking up nut shots, one hundred percent contested, as Two K would say it. But to play devil's advocate, nobody was hooping from the Lakers yesterday. Yeah. Nobody was hooping. Yes, but that doesn't excuse, you know, first team all bubble after that performance? Are are you serious? <laughs> like you you're trolling, right? Kenny, you're trolling. No, I'm not trolling. Tell, tell the audience you're trolling, bro. For I'm so serious. Oh my god. Uh, I stand by that. The always the gu- the gummy. Stand by that. The the gummy. The gummy. <laughs> Gu- gummy man. Gummy man. <laughs> gummy man is a bucket. Ooh, I man. stand by that. Oh, okay. You, you know what? You know what? I will forever disagree with what you just said, but I'm going to let you have it for this. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to a more personal topic for Kenny and I, uh, the NCAA Division One, and Division Two, and Division Three fall championships were actually recently canceled uh, Wednesday. Um, you know... Some sports such as volleyball, football, uh, other fall sports as well, they won't be able to go to the NCAA Nationals or any of the sort. Uh, so, Kenny, I got a question to ask you. How, how do you feel about this decision? And do you feel that it will impact anything for Division I? Um, I personally feel it was the right decision to make uh, for the, as far as just, you know, looking out for the safety of the athletes uh, throughout Division Two and Division III. Um, I think – a lot of these fall sports are extremely hard to, you know, get away with playing in this current climate of the world. Um, specifically football, you know, from my point of view, we've got 50, 53 on a roster, you know, just like as a base roster. Of course, you dress a couple of extra guys, so it ends up being like 60-something, 60-something being dressed on a game day. Um, and that's not including trainers, um, coaches, and, you know, support staff. So we're talking about 110, 120-plus people on a sideline at any given moment to multiply that by two, you know, it's just, it's too many, it's too many to have. So I feel like some sports like, um, solo sports like tennis, which tennis is a, this is spring sport. So, you know, tennis track and field, you can kind of get away with being like a solo act kind of with track and field. Not that, not as much. Cause you know, it's, you're running heats with other people, but it, it, it's just, a lot of these sports in the fall are like heavy team oriented sports with a lot of people. And I feel like they made the right decision. Now, as far as like D one, um, the ACC is still playing. So, <laughs> you know, they're not really, I, I feel like when they get, when you get to the D one level, it becomes more about money than safety. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's been the big dropping point, you know, indirectly from all these leagues and, um, conferences that haven't canceled or haven't really done anything to change. I know some conferences are playing conference only schedules, which the idea of a conference only schedule doesn't hit never has made sense to me because you still have to travel to different states to play these teams that are in your conference. So it's never really made sense to me, but you know, they're trying at least the ACC hasn't changed much at all. So it, it's kind of like when you get to D1, it's about money. And I don't agree with that, but I, I do feel like D2 and D3 made the right choice to, 
you know, cancel their, cancel their championships and a lot of leagues are canceling their actual whole seasons and, you know, just moving them to – or postponing them until after – I think January 1st is like the assessment date. So, I don't know. I, I feel that uh-huh. sport, a lot of sports should be played if you can't be in a bubble. I feel like the NBA has definitely proved that being in a bubble works, but, you know, you can't put a whole bunch of colleges in a bubble. It's not going to happen, so. I definitely agree with what you, the sentiment that you just portrayed. Um, you know, I believe that Division One, I, I mean, Division Two and Division Three, made a really solid decision with um, canceling their championships. They, they're not saying that the season is canceled, you know, but they're saying that they're canceling their own championship games, which won't really incentivize teams to want to pl- that want to play, you know, that want to take the risk with COVID and try to bring their teams together to play for that championship game. But, um, you know, like you said, with D1, you know, it's all about the money. And I agree 100%. You know, what are the odds that, <laughs> you know, the FBS is going to come out and say that the, um, the, the playoff, the college football playoff is canceled? <laughs> you know? Never. <laughs> so, Never. Like, and I agree also with your conference only. You know, the conference only thing doesn't really make sense because you have to cross state lines for many of these teams in your conferences. And I was on Facebook, you know, and I was looking at South Carolina, University of South Carolina. They have a rivalry every year, a rivalry game with Clemson. And it's been going on for a long, long time. And this year they can't continue it, despite them being in the same state and both uh, University of South Carolina and Clemson having to go across state lines to play other teams. So it's just that's one of those logical issues that I just don't understand why the conference only schedule was made. Maybe if you were like conference only plus state games, it makes sense, you know, because at that point you're not really doing anything to prevent coronavirus. You're really not. It's just, this is more pandering towards the, um, the pandering towards the health and safety officials and fans that worry about safety. Right. I definitely agree. And I will say as far as like, you know, like you said, a lot of these teams to play conference only have to cross state lines and go elsewhere to play. But I feel like the only place that you could kind of get away with doing conference only would be Division Three, because I know if, I can speak for my conference um, for sure. We've only got one team outside of our conference that's outside of state, and they're they're in North Carolina, of course, so they're not that far. But even with that being said, different places have different you know caseloads and different you know the virus is affecting different places in different ways. So at the top end of Virginia, you could have not that many cases and it could be kind of like mellowing out or, you know, it could be a, de- a definite better situation than like, say, um, Virginia Beach or Richmond, you know, like hot spots that are like big, big cities and, you know, big places of, of what am I trying to say? But like you, you get what I'm saying though. Like these yeah. these places that are like big uh, gathering points, you know, it's conference only doesn't really make sense in that sense. So I agree. And uh, recently, actually, the first football, um, FBS team, you know, Division One FBS, that scrapped their football season was actually UConn football. So, you know, do you believe that's something that would be a trend? Or do you do you think do you still stand by the sentiment that the money rules all and the football season will continue, unless of course there's some disastrous amount of numbers of coronavirus cases? 
Um, I, I definitely think that, you know, a smaller team, well, UConn's not really a smaller team or a smaller school, but when it comes to football, they're not like, they're obviously not Clemson. So I feel like teams that aren't, you know, as football driven, you know, these smaller FBS schools and maybe a lot of FCS schools, I could definitely see them going with the trend of eventually scrapping, you know, the fall sports as a whole for this year or postponing it and trying to play in the spring like a lot of schools are doing. But when it comes to schools like, um, you know, Clemson, North Carolinas and USC's and, you know, the big schools of the world, I feel like they're they're going to try to play. And I feel like they're going to play until somebody that's like – until until the head of whoever with the NCAA, Division One Athletics, until they come down and be like, you guys can't play, I feel like they're definitely going to try to play. I I agree with that. And, you know, going back to the UConn, <laughs> it's funny because UConn did this, and I, I believe they say it has something to do with coronavirus, but – I don't believe that whatsoever. Uh, I recently read an article. Well, it wasn't recently. It was a couple of months ago. I forgot who wrote it exactly. But they had talked about the the entire all of the different issues that UConn football was facing and how it was completely losing the school money. You know, I have an article mm-hmm. put up here by um, Alex Putterman with the Hartford Current. And he talks about how the UConn Athletic Department lost $42 million in 2019 alone after a decline <laughs> in ticket sales and league revenue. So, so they're not coming back. It sounds like to me, <laughs> they're cut. <laughs> Listen, they they weren't doing this because of coronavirus. They were they were doing this anyway. But now they have an excuse to cancel their uh, completely cancel their football season. Yeah, and you know it's just been uh, a mirage of bad financial decisions on them. You know they hired a coach. I think I'm not sure what the exact record is, but I believe he's like four and forty two in the last four years or something like that. And he's he's making ten million a year, so they just been making this was, bad decision after bad decision. Like, see, I didn't know he was four forty two because, like, I don't think anybody really pays much attention to UConn football. But how do you keep your? How do you maintain your job? You've lost forty two times, and you you haven't even won more than ten times, bro. Let alone five. <laughs> how are you still? How are you still employed? Like, that's just. COVID definitely gave them an opportunity to say, hey, let's go ahead and ask this for good. Mm-hmm. Maybe bring it, maybe bring it back, you know, 2040, something like that when it's when it's time. But right now, let's go ahead and ask that. So. <laughs> and they actually got some positive PR out of it. So, I, hey, they, their PR team on fire right now. You know, they, <laughs> they managed to spin cutting a, a sport, a sport team into a positive. So, but yeah, their, their football team needed to be asked a long time ago. For real. They're losing funds, man. Don't get me wrong. UConn can hoop. They can hoop now with the best of them, for sure. But as far as other departments like football, man, they're just losing money. Mm-hmm. So take that money, give UConn like four or five extra alls in the jerseys, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> figure out other ways to spend this money. But, you know, I don't know, man. It's just COVID. Yes. Wild times. It Wild really times. it really is. The fact that uh, I'm moving next week, you know. I don't know when you move in. You said the 25th? The 23rd, actually. The 23rd. 23rd. I'm, moving, yeah. I'm moving the 15th. We, you know, we got to wear masks everywhere we go on campus. There's a whole bunch of things that's going on. But we still don't know, for my school personally, we still don't know 
how we're going to be able to practice. So it's just a lot of uncertainty still going on. Despite school coming up, you know, you see a lot of other schools opening, people moving in already, but we still don't know what's going on. Right, right. And I feel like, I mean, I've had this conversation with my parents on multiple occasions just about moving back into, you know, campus and stuff because they we, we have the option to do online schooling. And me personally, I I, I want to go to school. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I can speak for just about any college student in America right now. I want to go to school, you know, I, I'm not, I'm one of the people that's going to be, you know, I'm not going to say I'm antisocial, but you know, I'm not a social butterfly. So isolating is not a problem for me. I can do that for sure off, off rip. And I do that a lot anyway. So it's kind of like, you know, we, we, we talked about it and we're just kind of like, we've come to an agreement that pretty much I, it's on me to, you know, take the right steps and just kind of like put my health and safety first, no matter what we're doing on campus or what's going on. And I do feel like I'm confident in myself that I could take the right steps, you know, not be in, you know, a wrong situation or, you know, just pretty much be in the right place and just take care of myself. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Just take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And that requires a lot of self-discipline that I don't, I just don't believe a lot of college students have, you know, um, I was on Twitter and I was just seeing about some different parties that were going, was going to start going on like before they even come back to school. So it's just I, like, I, you're not taking this uh, this virus serious, you know? I don't understand it. And it's like, I, I, I get it. You want to get out of the house. You want to have fun. But, dog, it's it's a, literally a pet. Like, this is not, we learn about these things in like, you know, science class when we're kids. And you never think you're going to go through a pandemic. But we are actually going through a pandemic. Take it seriously. You know, don't plan parties like that's just that's all kinds of stupid. Why would you do that? I got yeah. planning a party in the middle. That's like that's, <laughs> I, I can't even find an analogy for that one, man. That's just that's terrible. It's terrible. It, it just leaves you speechless. You know, it's just that it really does the intellect of some people. You know, they, they just they don't take it serious. And this is where, you know, I don't wish bad things on people. You know, I, I really don't. But this is where I feel like they they should just feel, you know, the pain of having the virus, you know, just so they know that it's real and just so they can take it more serious. I don't want nobody to, to pass away from this virus whatsoever, but just to understand that this is a real thing. You know, this is something that we really need to fight, come together, fight against, wear our masks and all that. And it's crazy how it's now seen as a political issue because I thought health and safety came first above all. That listen, that's a whole other rant for another episode. We can talk about that for thirty minutes on end. But to me, the virus—and I mean, this is just common sense—the virus has never been political. The virus is not asking if you're red or blue, or you know, who are you supporting. The virus is not asking that. If you in public, the virus catch you off guard. You down bad, bro. Like it's, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't care who you support. It doesn't care what you're doing. You know, it's just kind of like it's one of those things. And I, I do believe that, like, like you said, with the COVID and, you know, it affecting people. Obviously, we don't want anybody to die. We, You know, we wish everybody that's, you know, enduring COVID right now, we wish you well and wish you have a healthy, speedy recovery. But I feel like for a lot of people, they're not really going to take it serious until it affects them or, you know, comes to their doorstep and affects somebody that they love. Mm -hmm. And they'll take it seriously. And that's a bad way to kind of, like, learn about things and take it seriously. But. 
sometimes that's what's got to happen. Yep. Amen. But um, been on here for a while, man. So go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, any parting words you want to go ahead and say uh, for people? I just want to make sure that everyone out there, all of our listeners, I wanted to thank you guys for sticking with us for four weeks. You know, I think we've already lasted longer than the Finesse Podcast, Roundtable <laughs> Podcast. So, you know, it's been a good journey. And uh, again, I want to appreciate, uh, give a little thanks to Coach Early for coming on last week. And I want to say if anybody out there is listening, you know, we're willing to take on some uh, some more guest speakers. So y'all hit us up. Definitely, man. Just get in touch with us on uh, any one of our social medias. Shoot us a DM. We'll be happy to respond and happy to have you on as a guest. But um, I'd like to go ahead and end it by saying, you know, obviously, I don't know if I know you've seen we've talked about it a lot, but the um, the explosion in Lebanon. Let's go ahead and perfect. Pray for the people of Lebanon, you know, wish that everything is, you know, going to be resolved and fixed over there because that, that's one of those things that happens that you see in movies and you don't think it's real until, yeah. it, you know, it's just, just one of those surreal things. So pray for the people of Lebanon. Hopefully they get well. Um, still, Justice Rubiana Taylor hasn't gotten to justice yet. So, you know, I'm still fighting for that one and still hoping to see that pan out. And, um, you know, justice for all the disenfranchised people around the world and you know, equality, man, that's what we want. Yes, sir. We want, so we're fighting for a lot of our grandparents been fighting the same fight for their whole lives, man. So it's we're close. We're getting to it, man. We're getting to it. We're getting to it. <laughs> yes, sir. But um with that being said, like you said, man, thanks for sticking with us four weeks. Um we'll be here forever. We ain't, we ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't going nowhere. We'll be here. So you know, thanks for sticking with us. We we'll back next week, same time. I'm Kenny. We're here with Sarah for today, and we're out, man.